Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Our Father and our God, what a joy. We thank you for the opportunity to worship with our men. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to us as God speaks to his children. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Uh, I want to apologize to the women because I'm speaking to men. And sometimes when you are talking to men, the ladies feel that we are not being fair. But your day is coming. Next Sunday is the women's ministry regional convention. So, since I get the opportunity to speak to both men and women, I don't feel shy. Yes. I married when I was 27 years old. My wife was 26. Uh, I didn't have much money. Those days, 600 CDs. And I told my wife, but she said 60. Ah, okay. Well, when those days, 60 CDs meant 600 CDs today. So, anyway, so that was all the money in my bank account. So I went. And when they listed the things and told me what I had to pay for the dowry, uh, I was seriously shot. So they asked me, where did you see the girl? Is it not university? I said, yes. And they said, how can you marry a girl from the university with this money? If you are not ready, go and prepare and come. Then I looked at my wife and she started weeping. And they said, what's the matter? And she said, oh, none of you here looked after me. Did any of you ever pay my school fees or give me anything when I was in school? Now somebody has come to marry me to, you are putting blocks in the way. Then they went and came back and said, anything you have brought, bring it. <laughs> so, she remembered, she said, 60 cities. I married with 60 cities. That was all the money I had. Now, we 
we got to the house. I didn't have any house. So, for the first, is it two or three months of marriage, she was living in another house with a church member. I was also living in another place. Then, she got a bungalow on the training college uh, campus, St. Teresa's. She had a whole bungalow to herself. And I was patching. <laughs> so, my pastor money was very small, the salary. We didn't have a bucket to bath in. Her grandmother gave her a bath. So when it was time for bathing, we filled the bath and two of us hold it because there was no bucket in the house. That's how I started life. And my wife, whenever it was getting to the end of the month and there was no money in the house, she would bang the dog, bang, bang. <laughs> and since I was living in her bungalow, One day she actually had miscarriage and there was no money, no food in the house. And she was lying on the table. She said, Pastor, I'm hungry. Well, I can tell you the rest. Her grandmother was living with us and one of the things she said was that since there was no money to buy charcoal, and she had to go around searching for firewood. She said it came to a point she would even have give, used her hands to put into the fire to cook the food because there was no firewood, no money for charcoal. So I'm saying this because sometimes it's difficult to be a man because the day is not there. So your manhood and manliness is reduced to how much money is in your pocket. And because of that, some men are ashamed to be a man. Number two, some women are earning more money than their husbands. They are more beautiful. At the workplace, everybody is saying, manager, manager. And bowing to her because she is director, or, you know. And so when she comes home to see you, the husband, and you are nobody, nothing. Meanwhile, important men are opening car doors for her. And when she gets to the office, People are bowing to her. And you are the husband. She comes to see you in the house. You are not even giving chop money. Some women resist men being their head. They, they make you feel that, look, I know your weaknesses. And, and I don't recognize you as my head. 
even though you think you are my head. The third challenge is the busyness of the day. You are busy as a man. You have to be a husband, you have to be a father, you have to be, you know, a head of the home. Then at your workplace, there are demands of leadership. And then at church, they are looking up to you because you are the only man or you are among the few men in the church. And then in your hometown, when there is a meeting, family heads are meeting, things, they're calling you. And you, you, you are so busy, you don't know what to do with yourself again. You go here, this, you come here, the other one, you... So most men have left their seat as the man of the house. They have left, they have abandoned the chair. Some are absentee fathers. It means they are father, but you don't see them. You don't see them. I did a small research. In Ghana here, there are more women who are heading households than men. Yes, because the men have run away. So, the big question is, did God make a mistake in making you a man? Is it, is it a, a, an error in the part of heaven to make you a man? These days, these transgender LGBTQ people, because they feel, oh, for me, I'm a woman, but I feel like a man. Then you go and change your sex. So it gives the impression that to move in and out between being a man and a woman is so easy. It's just going for surgery. Today, I want to bring to you the Bible on manhood. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, the Bible says that to come into this world as a man or woman is not your choice. It's God who decides who should be a man and who should be a woman. So God created man in his own image and likeness. Male and female created he them. The fact that you are a man means God sent you into this world to be a man. There are certain things you can never do for God if you are not a man. That's why he sent you as a man. He created you a man. He made you a man. It's not you who applied to God to make you a man. You woke up and found yourself a man. You are a man because God 
God made you a man. That's what the Bible says. What you can do for God on this earth, and the reason He sent you to this earth, is linked to whether He sent you as a man, or He sent you as a woman. This is what the Bible is saying. He says that the woman is the image of God. The man is the image of God. But the fact that you are a man or a woman, is God who decides that. The second thing I want you to notice from the Bible is that God gave man leadership, headship from creation. Let's read Genesis 2. We are reading verse 7 first. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 first. Yes. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. You know, God wanted human beings to respect him. So he didn't make man from gold. He didn't create man from silver. He didn't even use precious stones. He used dust, clay, to make man. To let man know that, look, whatever you become in life... From President of United States to Secretary General for United Nations. You are clay. I made you from clay. So you can never boast until you die. Because I created you out of dust. Any man who is proud is a laughing stock for the angels. Because they know where you were created from. You were dust. And God breathed into your nostrils and you became a living being. You can never bluff God. You are dust. In fact, this is why when man fell, God told him in the Genesis 3.19 that dust you are. To dust you return. Because you are dust. No matter what you become in life, how many children you have, how much money you have in bank, how many cars you have packed, no matter your titles, what professorship you have, you are dust. You were created out of dust until you die and go back into dust. Uh, it was in the papers recently. The dead people, after, you know, six years, five years, when they dig up your dead beings, eh, they buried you in glamour. People, you know, with expensive coffins and things. But dust you are. To dust you will return. You must keep it in mind all the days of your life. And this is the reason why you must give your life to work for God. Because you are dust. You can't keep yourself from dying. Therefore, give God what will never die. Then, let's read the Genesis 2, verse 18. And then you jump God made a helper fit for man. God made a helper fit for man. This means that if you are a man, you are head of the home. The vision for the family should come from you. 
Because your wife or the woman has come to help you. You must have something for someone to come and help you. If you are not doing anything, you don't need a helper. All those young men who start looking at beautiful girls, I want to marry this, I want to marry... You should first find out why God sent you to this earth before you look for a helper. To help you do what? You need a helper to help you do what? Verse 22. Verse 22. And the rapture the Lord God taken from the man. He made into a woman and brought her to the man. So? Probably we should read the 21. 21 of Genesis 18. So the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up his face. Yes, add the 22 now. Yes. And the rape that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it to a woman and brought her to the man. Now, this is a very, very deep mystery. God could have created a woman by herself. God could have just decided, okay, just like I made a man, I'm going to make a woman. But he didn't. He wanted to make a point which will last all time that he took the woman from the rib of the man so that the woman will forever know that she is part of a bigger agenda than herself. And every man will understand that when I see a woman, when I see my wife, when I see a lady, she was created so that I can be a protector, a leader, a guide for that person. Every man is a leader. Every man is a leader. Every man is a leader. Tell your friend, every man is a leader. And it is unfortunate that, you know, women carry every man in their womb for nine months. And breastfeed every man when they are growing. Because of that, it's easy for women to plant into a man womanhood and make women and girls out of a man so that when they grow up, they are finding it difficult to be a man. You know, we don't share some of these things because they are family secrets. But my wife's firstborn was a girl. Second, the miscarriage was a girl. Third, was a girl. Fourth, was a girl. Fifth, was a girl. Sixth, was a girl. Then she gave up. She said she won't have any children. I don't mind, girl or boy. Then she became pregnant. And 
when she delivered and it was a boy, she started sending the things quickly. So this boy came into this netball club. And the girls had a lot of dresses. They would put it on him. And sometimes when she sees them wearing earrings, she would rush to the mother. Mama, I do I want them wearing earrings. But we noticed that as he grew, he started playing football and kicking the ball. Nobody in my house ever played football before Moses came. Where he learned it from, I don't know. Then he started pushing the side tables and doing boyish things. Then he grew out of the girls' dresses and things and, and began to be a man in the house. And it became clear that manhood is not something which you copy from other people. It's planted into your spirit by the person who sent you. So, he says, therefore, shall a man leave father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Now, there are many people who teach that because of Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, which says, In Christ there is neither male nor female. All these things are Old Testament. In the New Testament, you know, whether you are a man or woman doesn't matter. I want to say it's not true. The same New Testament recognizes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 that the head of every man is Christ. The head of Christ is God. But the head of the woman is the man. Let's read verse 3 and then we read verse 7. First Corinthians 11, verse 3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Yes, and verse 7. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. It means that when you are searching for God on this earth, when you find a man, you have found the closest person to God on this earth. The man is the image and the glory of God. Man carries God's presence wherever he goes. Because he is the image and the glory of God. Yes? This agrees with what we read in Genesis. The woman is the glory of a man. There are places I go 
And people look at me and say, ah, who is this crap? But when my wife appears, they respect me. Yeah. Because if they see the woman who has agreed to marry this man, there must be something in him. He says the woman is the glory of the man. You need to understand that in Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, all the way we can read up to verse 6 if we have the time. God told Moses that when a man vows, whatever he says, he shouldn't break it. It will stand. But when a woman vows, the man as father or husband has power to cancel what she has said. Yes. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. When a man vows, you say something as a man, it stands. It stands because you are a man. Because you are not a woman. If a woman vows a vow to the Lord, yes. and binds herself by a pledge while within her father's house in her youth, yes. and her father hears of her vow and of her pledge by which she has bound herself and says nothing to her, then all her vows shall stand. Yes. And her pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. When the father hears it and keeps quiet, then the vow will stand for the woman. Yes. If her father opposes, what, what, Akia, what is that you are saying? Yes. No vow of her, no pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. No vow of a woman, no vow of a pledge of a woman in the father's house can stand if the father says, no, 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 no. This thing, no. She says, oh, for me, when I grow up, I'll have only two children. The father says, what are you saying? Stop that. You see, no vow of a woman in her father's house shall stand if the father opposes it. But if the father vows, it will stand. Manhood is not just trousers and belt. Because the women now have taken over the trousers and belt. Manhood goes beyond just wearing trousers and mustache. There are certain things which only a man can do on this earth. This is why no man should run away from being a man. Because manhood carries with it divine authority. You were sent with power from beyond the sky to be a man. The Lord will forgive her because her father opposed her. So a, a father, a husband is like God to the woman on the earth because he can stop what you are saying and cancel it and it's all. It's finished. She marries her husband while under her vows for any thoughtless utterance of her lips by which she has bound herself. Yes. And her husband hears of it and says nothing to her on the day that he hears. Then her vow shall stand, and her pledges by which she has bound herself shall stand. Yes. But if on the day that her husband comes to hear of it, he opposes her, <clears throat> then he may void her vow that was on her. 
correct. In the thoughtless actions of her lips, by which she bound herself, and the Lord will forgive her. Hallelujah. That's it. The husband has power. She made that vow cry, and he never heard of it. Then one day, she's talking. She said, oh, me, when I was young, I vowed that I won't bring forth any girl. Then the husband said, ah, what is that? Okay, stop that. And cancel. The Bible says the Lord will forgive her. And that vow will not stand. Because the husband has heard it and opposed it. This is not a, a, a parliament. It's not democracy. It's not women uh, liberation movement which has met together to say that women are being oppressed so these days we must make women stand. That's not it. You can't change this. Now Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 5 says that a woman shall not wear what pertains to a man and a man shall not wear what pertains to a woman because both are abomination. To the Lord. Why? Because God wants the distinction, the difference between a man and a woman from creation to stand. You see, if I come to church in Kaba, eh? And, and skirts and blouse. How, 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 how will you take it when I hold the mic as your pastor? You see? Somebody asked me that why do we say trousers? Is trousers the only dress for men? And I said no. But why is it that when you are going to toilet or washroom, the picture of a man on the washroom is trousers. Why? They know women wear trousers, but they still put the picture of a man in trousers. Because the world has reduced manhood to trousers. That's why they put it on the washroom. When you see it now, you know that this is where men go. And the understanding is that when you allow men to wear what women wear, and you allow women to wear what men wear, very soon LGBTQ will rise up. That's it. And heaven wanted to stop it from the beginning. But these days, even Christian women insist that what men wear is what they wear. And they have left the netball now. I don't know how many people play netball. Women in football. That's it. They have even come to boxing. Ghana's strongest woman. (laughs) Pulling car. You see? Why? Now, I want to establish that. Jesus commented on LGBTQ. In Matthew chapter 19, from verse 4 to 6, they came to Jesus and asked him, Can a man divorce his wife 
anytime he likes and for anything. And listen to Jesus' comment. Jesus said, have you not read? He who created them in the beginning made them male and female. Some people are trying to confuse us. They are telling us that, oh, Jesus, he didn't say anything about LGBTQ. What do you mean? What does this say? He says that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female, not LGBTQ. In the eyes of Jesus, there are only two genders. Male, female. And he quoted it from the beginning. And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, this is where what Jesus combined here. And this brings me to my sermon for today. Say, I am a man. I am a man. God sent me into this earth as a man. There are certain things I can only do for God because I am a man. In Jesus' name. Whenever there is war, women and children run away. Men take gun and go forward. I remember when we went to Mauritania and there was coup d'etat. They were shooting behind our house. Boom! Then my wife would run from the, the bedroom to the hall. Then another girl would shoot them. Boom! Then she would run back. I said, Mama, what are you doing? God gave man a heart so that when the bullets are flying, Men are saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yabo, 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 let's go. There is a heart which men have. That is why we put them in leadership. Look at America. Over 200 years of the most democratic country in the world, they have never had a woman president. The reason is easy. Because when the woman goes on the campaign trails, like Clinton, she will be weeping when the difficult questions come. Yes. God put a certain adrenaline inside man. So that when there is danger, when there is fighting, when there is bullets, when there is death, only he marches forward. This is the reason why without men the great commission can never be finished. Because there are some places only men can go. There are some countries only men can go. There are some dangers only men can face. This is why he made you a man. This is why he put you into this church. Because you are a man. And you can face 
some parts of the Great Commission, which a woman can never face. Our local churches. Look, I have been, by the grace of God, a pastor and elder and leader in Christian circles for the past 40, well, as pastor, 44 years. But even before then, I was in leadership. I can tell you the truth. When matters come for meeting, and we are discussing them, and the majority is made up of women, the decision they take is different from when the majority is made of men. Did you hear me? When you sit in a committee meeting, and there is a matter to be discussed, and the largest number of people are women, how they decide is different from when the largest number is made up of men. Because men see things from an angle which women never see. When, when I'm, I'm praying with my wife, the topics she raises up for prayer are different from the ones I raise up. She is here. If it's not true, she should get up and say it. The church will die if the Christian men leave their seat for the women. So Muslims, they are men, are the front in the mosque. The women are the back. Christianity, women and children are the front. The men are too busy. So they are the back. They, when you go for a prayer meeting, you don't see men. But First Timothy 2, 8 says, first of all, men should pray. Prayer in the church is not a woman's thing. Let's read it. First Timothy 2, 8. I desire, I desire then, in every place, every place, men to pray, 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 men to pray. Prayer and intercession is not a woman's thing. They come to support you. They come to help you. But men should pray. If you say it's not true, read the verse 9. Verse 9. Likewise also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel. Women should adorn their dressing. Women, their dressing. Men, their prayer. In the house, in the church, in their office, in society, there are certain decisions only men can take. Because the one who created man put something into a man that he did not put into a woman. 
Are you with me, my men? You didn't write application letter to God to make you a man. He sent you to this earth as a man. When Jesus came to this earth, the twelve apostles he chose, they were all women. Why do you think Jesus, who loved everybody, chose only men? Now, what about the 72 he sent two by two? Men. After the de- his death, when they wanted to replace Judas Iscariot, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the meeting, but they didn't choose her. Yes. Mary, the mother of Jesus. We can read it in Acts chapter 1. Let's read from verse 14. Yes. She was in the meeting. And Jesus' brothers. Why didn't they choose Mary to replace Judas Iscariot to be twelve? They chose another man. A man betrayed Jesus. They didn't choose a woman. They chose another man to replace him. Because there is work which only men can do. When the Holy Spirit wanted to send out the first missionaries, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, let's see whether, how many women he chose. Acts 13, 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. The work to which I have called them. The work. He chose two men. He chose two men. What does that mean? It means that God's work is on the shoulders of men. From the home. You know, every daughter you have looks at the father to choose a husband. Every daughter you have. She's a girl. But she looks at the father to choose a husband. The boys in the home look at their father in order to choose a wife and father. When there is a home where the woman goes to church, half the family, the children, follow her. But when there is a home where their father is committed to Jesus and goes to church, 97% of the family goes with him. Because men are movers and shakers. You were sent on this earth to be a leader. You are the greatest representation of God on this earth. When you see a dog, you pass by. When you see a cat, you pass by. When you see a cow, you pass by. You see an elephant, you pass by. When you see a man, stop. Because that's the image and the glory of God. That's the truth. Now, 
It means that men must be mobilized. Men in every church must be mobilized and moved to grow spiritually. Because when they grow, they affect the house. You see, my, my wife is here. My daughters are here. My big sister is here. The prayer, family prayer in the home stands because I am there. I, I, because I am there. Do you understand? The reason is because when one of my daughters said it, I said, hey, why is it that when I travel, you, your mother says when she calls you for money prayers, you don't come. Then she said, Daddy, you don't understand. When mommy says we should come for morning prayers, there is something in her voice which says, even if you don't come, they won't punish you. <laughs> but when you call us, something in your voice tells us that you better move. <laughs> so, you can never leave your place as head of the home. Because God put you there. There are sometimes my wife, you know, wants to be a woman. And she wants to do certain things to demonstrate that my husband is not thinking far. And some of these things, we only share them when deep secrets are coming out. And one of them I like sharing is our house here in Accra. One elder came and told my wife that if your husband is not thinking, you are you not thinking? You, you have five children. You don't have a land in Accra. You don't have a building. Are you not thinking? Even if your husband is not thinking. And they came and told me, and I said, me? If God wants me to have a house, he should build it. Because my father has 16 houses in the Volta region. And I, I'm not, I've given my life to be a pastor. I'm not a businessman. I, I won't chase buildings and lands. So she went. When she's happy, she will tell you the story. She went to work, got a loan in order to buy a land. It didn't work. God made sure it didn't work. <laughs> then my sister gave her money. To go and buy land. It worked. So she bought two plots of land. And they started building. When I was going there, I was lost. Because I didn't even know where it was. The place we are living in now. God gave it to us. It's not by her effort. Do you understand? It's not that she was rebelling. She was just trying to be wise. But God wanted to prove that. Yeah. This is it. I didn't have a hand in it. But God gave us land and house here in Accra. I'll tell you another one. I share that one too when I'm happy. When we moved from Hohoe to Accra. Woo! We were insisting on having morning prayers. When the children go to school, they are late. And the teacher says... Why are you late? He said, we were praying in the house. He said, go to your parents. Go back. Go and tell them they should continue praying. 
and our children will be driven away from school and come home. And my wife, because she is an educationist, she will look at me in a certain way, the way women look at men. So I went to the bedroom to take counsel with God. And I came back and said, we shall continue with morning prayers, even if they drive our children from school. So, we continued. Now, as I speak, every one of my children has got at least master's degree. Do you understand? One is a lawyer. One is a doctor. The thing which parents were saying, oh, we won't pray in the house because we will be late. Our children, I have also got them. But we prayed, but we got them. That is what a man does in the house. Because that decision was a tough decision. And when I took it, I knew it was for better, for worse. Are you with me? I can tell you more. When times come, tough times, and my wife wants us to take the decision left, and I say, no, we are going right. So, because of that, I never quarrel with my wife about things which are not important. She's here. We have been married for 42 years. I've never criticized her food. She's here. She has never put food on the table and I've said, oh, the salt is not enough. This thing, uh, the soup is not nice. Never. I won't fight. That's not why I married her. I have a bigger goal, world evangelism. So why should I be fighting with my wife over food? Are you with me? This is wisdom. Is that not what you were telling me? You see? So the color of our house, bedroom, she picks it. I don't quarrel with her. Anything she says, I say, yo. Sometimes she even tells me which dress to wear. I say, yo. I'm coming to church. She says, Pastor, are you putting on this? He said, which one do you want me to put? She said this. I put it down and put on hers. She is here. If I'm lying, tell I am interested in finishing the task of world evangelism. Why do I quarrel with my wife about dressing? What is my problem? Am I thinking? You go and quarrel with your wife about salt and pepper and see whether she will cooperate with you for world evangelism. Let me finish my sermon. The MC is worried. But I don't often get men like this. So I want to tell them that. We are living in a generation where the world, women, government, are trying to tell a man that you are useless because you are a man. So they have started a, a crusade. My wife was one of the people leading. Send your girl child to school. Send your girl child to school. Send your girl. The universities, now, when a girl is going, they make the qualifying mark 40. But for men, 50. And there are certain departments, they require a certain number of women. Whether they qualify or not, they must be put there. Otherwise, uh, your funding from the NGO will not come. UNICEF, and, uh, and they won't mind you. Because you don't have women... Uh, and so society is making such that 
the man should feel that you are useless for being a man. Whether the boy, school goes, boy goes to school or not doesn't matter. But the girl must go. Now, it has made many men become impotent. They are emasculated. Manhood is dying on the earth. Yes. Do you think if manhood were strong, LGBTQ can stand? Because being a man is a different thing from being a woman. You can't just change your sex and be a man. Try it. You will need injection every month. So, my appeal to you today is you don't need many men in your local assembly to be a man. Be the man in the church. Do you understand? Because I told you I have four daughters. And for a long time, my house was a netball club. Girls alone. When you go for any committee meeting, the women decide. But you have to be a man. So when you leave this conference, be a man. Be a man. Yes. There are times when, when you want to take a decision, your wife will look at you like this and protest. Saturday she won't cook. And then, or even she cooks, she cooks late. Or she will not do this. She won't sleep here. She will do this to demonstrate that you cry out that you say you are a man. I look at your weaknesses. I know this thing more than you. I'm correcting your English for you. You know my wife did English in the university. And taught English in the university. So somebody came and said, how do you speak English in the house? Your wife, how do you manage? I said, I speak English more confidently than she does. When I make a mistake, I do them confidently. Why? I am a man. You are saying that, oh, you can't read English well. But your wife is educated. She reads English. When you go for morning prayers, let her read the Bible. You are the man. Are you with me? Yeah. When you go back from this men's convention, be a man. Yeah. In your home, suddenly things will start changing. Because when you put your foot down, God steps in. I tell God many times without telling her, I go and tell God that you made me man. You made me husband. You made me father. This thing, this is my decision. If you don't like it, tell me. But I don't want my wife to win in a rebellion. And no. And God proves it. Sometimes it's tough. But at the end of the day, my wife will come back and say, Pastor, you are right. Yeah. Because when you take a decision, even if it's a foolish decision, heaven gets behind it. Are you with me? Yeah. Some of the decisions our presidents take. It's not the wisest. But they are the president. And they move ahead. You know? And not only at home. In the church. We need men to be in charge of prayer. 
We need men to be in charge of, of, of uh, prophetic ministry. We need men. I have seen many places, women cook, but the chief cook is a man. I have seen places where women are ruling women, and the women are complaining and asking for a man to come. If it's not true, tell me. God made you a leader. God sent you a leader. God sent you a man. Because you can be a man. If God had known that you won't be a man, He would have sent you a woman. He sent you a man because you are a man from heaven. Be the man. Even when you are making mistakes. Isaiah 30, 21. He says your, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God will help you. To be a man. God will give you grace. To be a man. At your workplace. God will strengthen you. To be a man. Be a man. Be a man. So that we can finish the great commission. Be a man. In Jesus name. Let's be on our feet. Now, all of us, the ladies and the youth, we are going to pray for our men. That anointing to be a man will fall today. Faith comes by hearing. So, anointing to be a man. Some difficult areas you were not able to tackle because you were afraid of your wife and children. When we leave this conference, step in there. Prayerfully step in. And let's see what God will do with your life. And even when you are making a mistake, this is the point. When you are making a mistake as a man, go to God. Do you see this office? I used to come here and fast. And tell God, if I'm making a mistake, show it to me. Because I am leading I'm leading the church. If I'm making a mistake, show it to me so that I will know that God will put anointing on our men. That when they step anywhere, in the office, at home, in neighborhood, people will know a man has arrived. Follow JFK Men's Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.